So we started Wednesday night. We had the first session. Um, so what will happen is I will also then on a Sunday come and just sort of strengthen. Not that I can strengthen anything that, that you know, Andrew brings, but um, just massage in. Just let the message draw into our hearts um, because it's very, very important for us uh, as a community, as a church, to, to come to be aligned. Like Mike said when he, when he opened, is if we're going to be in, in unity, then we have to know what we are in unity about. <laughs> we have to know where we stand with regards to certain things. And as I said last week, that this is church will cover a multitude of things. It will, but it is largely relating to fellowship. Um, and we're starting off with why even the idea of church? Where does that come from? Is church, these gatherings, is it a man-made thing or is it a God-made thing? Did God call forth the church or did is it something that someone decided, let's start a Christian club? And I think many people might even believe or think that that is what it is. That someone decided, hey man, let's just huddle together and we'll be like a little group on our own. And we'll be a club or a membership. And that's why people are allergic to the term membership, church membership. Because they think it means exclusivity. They think it means... That, that, that you have to adhere to certain stuff, and if you don't, then you get kicked out, and all that. And even though membership might manifest in that way, certainly, that is not the heart of God behind the concept of church. So I believe that the first thing we need to get right in our hearts is, why did God create the church, and what is the purpose of the church. Because the purpose is certainly not like a golf club that people gather every Wednesday and Saturday and they just like enjoy themselves because they have this one little white ball in common. And even, they, even then they don't really because each one has his own little white ball. And that is not the idea of church. Uh, when I was still in the corporate the, the, I, I, can, I, I can probably remember maybe one or two things that, my, that my, my business mentor in that time taught me. And this is the one thing that I will always, always, always remember that he taught me in business. But I think it's a true with pretty much everything in life that you plan is begin with the end in mind. Know where you want to go before you even start your journey. Other way to phrase it is know your why. Know why you want to do this. What is the purpose of it? And I believe that as a church, we need to know our why. And if we don't know our why, we can't build onto that. We cannot build onto what God wants to do. And even in us, a community church, we need to know our why. And that is sort of what I tried to say last week. Is this is our why. This is why God planted us. This is what our desire is. This is what we want to see happen. So I want to just look at a few things. The first question that came into my mind when searching for know your why or know that why God 
create a church is, is what makes a church a church. Where does that term come from? Where does, where does the idea of church come from? So, we read in Matthew 16, 18, Michael, you come out opposite the Can you listen there? The, uh, I think we have a super projector. I have something from the art in the day can shine. So, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus, Peter has just revealed Jesus says, who do you say I am? Who do the people say I am? And then Peter comes out, he says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And Peter says, this has not been revealed to you by man. This has been revealed to you by God. Then he says to Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. My church. Say how, my church. Whose church? Jesus' church. Thank you, Mike. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. Now, there's an important thing here. We need to know what is this rock that he speaks about. Is it Peter? No. He. My church is Christ's church. And when it's built on Christ and when it's His church, the gates of Hades or the powers of hell or whatever hell could send through the gates towards the church that is built on Christ and of which He is the head, then evil will not prevail against it. But when we build a church on anything other than Christ, And if anyone other than him is the head or the Lord or the main decision maker or the highest authority of this church, it will be very much open and vulnerable to the gates of hell. Ne? So this church, my church, the Greek, I just want to give a little bit of info there on the side, is Ecclesia. The Greek word Ecclesia. Um, so I went and I just went a little bit of study into what Ecclesia is. And uh, literally, it comes from the term people called out. Called out people. Speciale means People called out by God. So the Ecclesia literally means a gathering or an assembly of people called out by God. So it is people who are like-minded, it's people who are in the same spirit, it's people who are in the same, same heart, it is people who belong to Jesus Christ and of whom Jesus Christ is the Lord. So it's literally just coming together as an ecclesia, as a church. Now this dictionary that I, that I um, read says this, the term Ecclesia denotes the New Testament community of the redeemed in its twofold aspect. All right? First, all who were called by and to Christ in the fellowship of His salvation, the church worldwide of all times. So all of us who are called by Christ belong to the church of Christ, the church of God worldwide. All right? And then, secondly, 
only secondary to, um, to worldwide at all times and only secondarily to an individual church. Okay, so the church of God, I want us to see this, and I will go into this a little bit more when I speak about um, membership and those kind of things, like pretty much way at the end. But we have to see this. I want to try and explain this now and not go into depth. For us to belong to the greater church of God, we also need to belong to the smaller because the ecclesia, the church, is twofold. It has two sides of the coin. So we cannot have someone really say, uh, I believe in Jesus, that makes me a member of the global church, but I don't believe in, in, in being part of a smaller community or a, uh, uh, what's the word, a local church. And we will see why it's important. So what I'm trying to do today is just trying to get that place in our hearts where we understand the importance of the local church. It is vital for the coming of the kingdom. And you cannot belong to one and not the other. It is like cutting my pinky from my hand. So my pinky, my fingers belong to the body part of my hand, right? So let's call this my hand a local church. My local church, my hand, is part of my greater body, all right? But my fingers are still members of my hand. My hand is a member of my greater body. Now, if I cut off my pinky and it is severed from my hand, I can't then say, oh, yeah, but I'm still part of the body, even though I'm cut off from the hand. So that's the picture I get when I think about global church, local church. To be part of the global church, you have to be part of the, the local church. Because God manifests himself through the church. All right, let's, let's have a look at that. Okay, so the images that we find in the Bible... Uh, First of all, we've, we've read this just now. I will build my church. Then in 1 Corinthians 10, there are only verses for this, Michael. 1 Corinthians 10, 32, Galatians 1, 13, and Timothy 3, 5. We see Paul talks about the church of God. All right, specifically in Timothy, he says, If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And I think I want us just to get in our hearts to bury his is this is not ours. And even communities, there's Nee Phillips a community, in Mike's a community, in Rainey's a community, in Mike's a community. Ah, oh, Kevin. Sorry. Kevin's community. It's God's. God's church. God's community. Christ's body. The other term that church refers to is the temple of God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. This is in the Bible, ne? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? 
Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from, um, from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. If we are at the temple of God, if we are the place where God resides, what business does the church have in trying to look like the world so that it can draw more people? And we see this all the time in these days. What business does a church have in teaching things that will help people look more like the world? If you think of the prosperity gospel, what is it about? It's about looking more like the world on the back of the argument that if you look better than the world, then the world will see that God is blessing you and that Christ is real and alive. If you do better in your business than someone in the world, then, then it's a proof that God is with you and not with the world. And that is nothing compared or nothing in the line with what Christ teaches. What business do we have as a church in representing the world? if we are to represent God, actually. Ne? Ephesians 2, 21-22 says, In Him, in Christ, Ephesians 2, 21-22, In Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. What's the purpose of a temple? Hosting God. So the thing that is supposed to draw us to church, <laughs> the thing that is supposed to draw us, yeah, the thing that is supposed to draw us to one another, the thing that is supposed to draw us to, to, to have a braai at each other's homes, is that with, I'm, if I'm with that guy, I experience God. If I'm with this group of people, I experience God. See, we've taken that, that, that verse that says, where two or three are together in the name of the Lord, there the Lord is, and then we, we say, yeah, okay, so whenever there are two people who claim to be believers, then God must be there. And I want to now ask two questions with that. One is, how welcome is God? <laughs> Many times 
when two or three believers come together in our talking and in our doing and in our things. And then the other thing is I want to qualify that. No, don't worry. The church is also called the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, 22, 23. Say, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, who is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Wow. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over every church. Let's just stop there. Let's go on the church, which is the body. I think this speaks to us about something that we must realize about the authority of the church. But the church that is cut off from the, from the head has no authority. But it's under the feet of Christ. No, of, of whom is the feet part of the body. The body is part of, the feet are part of the body, ne? not the head. Where do you what say? So the authority is the head, but the trampling is by the feet, which is the body. So if the feet don't trample the enemy, there will be no trampling. So if there's no authority over the enemy in this realm, through the church, which is the body, there is no manifestation of justice and righteousness. So we can't keep on praying, God, please do this, God, please do that. Jesus, you are the head. Would you please take authority over that? Would you please take authority? Would you please take authority? We as the body are the hands and the feet, the manifestation of the authority, which is the head. But it has to happen through the feet. So if the feet don't take up the position to stamp on the enemy, to stamp on Satan, then Satan will just keep on standing up and keep on doing what he wants to do and keep on destroying and killing and doing what he wants to do. But it is through the head. It is through the authority. Christ is the authority, but the manifestation is through the body. And now it says that the body is the church. Do you see that if you want to have an impact in the kingdom of God, that you have to belong to the body? You have to belong to the church. Because God manifests himself through the church. The grace of the authority, the headship, flows through the church, flows through the body. And then it says, which is the body, the fullness of him. Ah, this cool. The fullness of Christ. The fullness of the head. So without the church, there's unthinkable to say this actually, but without the church, please come speak to me if I'm wrong, because I, 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 but I'm, I feel this very powerfully. 
Without the church, Christ is rendered powerless in this realm of this world. Because he's gone to be with Papa God. We are the fullness. The church is the fullness of the head. We complete what God wants to do on earth. And if the church is just about coming together, enjoying ourselves, being nice people, learning how to get fat, then we are not fulfilling the fullness. We are not being the fullness of the head. And this brings us then, what is the purpose of the church? The story of salvation did not end with Jesus Christ dying on the cross and salvation coming to all men. Jesus rose from the dead and he spent another 40 days on earth revealing himself to his disciples and then to 500. Passing on the torch, literally, in the form of the Holy Spirit. I've completed the work that I've set out to do, but now you go. And before he died, he, he, he didn't just say, okay, now you go, you've seen me. He trained them. We read in, in, um, in Matthew 10, there's need our opni. In Matthew 10, he sent out the 12. He trained them. He said, okay, now I breathe. He breathed on them, receive the Spirit. Then go, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then we read in Luke 11 that. The group is greater, 72. He sent out with the same thing, same mandate. Heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons. Proclaim the kingdom of God. Proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. He sent them out ahead of him. Why? Because we needed to be trained to do what Jesus was doing. The purpose of the church. To continue to do what Christ is doing. So I would invite each one of us to go and make a study of exactly what did Jesus do on earth. Luke 4, he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. That same spirit is now upon us as the church. To do the same things. Jesus said, I've come to make the Father known. How, how can you be with me so long and not know the Father? We as a church should be able to say the same thing. How could you have been in this church now for three months and you still have not experienced the Father? Still have not experienced His love. Still have not experienced His goodness. Still have not experienced His closeness and His presence. We should ask the same question. Let the kingdom come. 
Reconciliation. Jesus came to bring reconciliation between man and God. And that is the mandate of the church. Let's look at that verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do we realize that? That when we go and we meet people, that our sort of number one priority is to make sure that they are right with God. That they are reconciled to Him. That they can call Him Papa God, Abba Father. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. That is mandate. For the church. Do you start to see. Why church is important. Do you start to see why it's important. That we do church in the right way. And not just how we think. A church should be done or run or. So we've seen that the church so far, that the church is where God lives. The church is the place where God expresses Himself. It's the place where He has His being. The fullness of Christ. We've seen that the church is the embodiment of Christ. We've seen that the church is heaven's embassy and we are ambassadors of this embassy. We are ambassadors of heaven. Do we start to understand why God does not want us to just live the way we do want to live? And yes, where there is law, there is no more sacrifice. And where there's no law, there's no more sacrifice. There's no more guilt. There's no more condemnation. But, but our calling as a church, our calling as believers, have, have moved from a place of do's and don'ts and trying to please God by not doing certain things, by keeping the law to a place where we now live for a completely different reason. We live to represent God. And we have to represent Him well as a church. If we do this wrong, we misrepresent God. Jochen, I don't know about you, but... I want, to, I want to go to him at the end of my life and say, Lord, I've, present, or I've represented you well. I want him to come and say to me, people saw me when they looked at you. People experienced my love and my grace and my compassion and my goodness when they were with you. And as a church leader, I want to stand before him and I want him to say, well done. You represented me well. 
You did what I set out for you to do. You completed the work that I've sent you to do. In Revelations, we see the letters to the different churches. And like Andrew said on Wednesday night, that out of the seven churches, only two churches sort of got it right. Five of them got it wrong. To some of them, he even said that you do not even get it wrong, you are dead. You're a dead church. There is nothing in you that represents me. To others, he said, at least you got this right. You, you, you got justice right. You got charity right. You got, you know, all those things right. You hated sin. You hated the Nicolaitans. At least you got that right. But I still hold this thing about against you. That you did not love me in the way that you first did. This morning I woke up with that specific thing in my heart. If we want to be a church that represents God well, actually that represents Him perfectly, which probably no church will ever do, (laughs) because we are human, we are made of flesh, we are made of, we've got all this junk in us, Thank God for His grace and His mercy and His kindness. But if we want to represent God well, let us set our hearts as a church on this one thing. And that is why it's so important for me in worship that we worship Him with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength and everything we have. That's why it's so important that everything we do is motivated and compelled by this one thing, the love of God. And it's beautiful, actually, this this whole concept and the term of the love of God, if you go and look at it, it is also twofold. It is the love for God, but it's also the love that He gives you, the love that comes from Him. And I actually believe a church would be very, easy word now, healthy. If we preached only one thing, love. How to love like Jesus and how to love Jesus the way he loves us. If we preach that every single Sunday, all the time, And we get into that, I believe we'll be on a good track. But we don't need to preach about that all the time. We just need to carry in our hearts. We need to know that whatever we do in this place is motivated, compelled by love. Ne? Jesus is so serious. Remember that all of this church, the purpose for church is still part, still playing a role in the salvation history of mankind. 
So when we join church, when we come into a church, it's not the end. It's not like, okay, I'm, like, I'm saved. I'm saved into this church and now I can just enjoy my little piece of heaven on earth. That's not what it's about. The church has an eternal mission. We have to play our part in the salvation history. And that is why God is so serious about our representing Him well. Like we spoke about Gandhi just now. Misrepresentation of God. Like a gross misrepresentation. God does not look at the appearance of man. He does not tax you on what you look like or what you bring or what you are or how good you are or how much money you have or how little money you have. Yet we do it in the church. We do it as churches. How many of us wanted Bartlemeus just to leave? Because we are uncomfortable with him. So it's very important that we get it right, but how? <laughs> nee? How? How do we get this right? We thank God for He's given us all things. Mm. Mm. I'd pick your brain score. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, how do we get it right as a church? Second Peter one three says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed, in other words, coming from God through the Holy Spirit, inspired by Ruach, the breath of God, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped with every good work. So the first thing we realize is that God has given us His Word as a foundation and as protection boundaries of if you do this, if you follow this, Jesus said, go and teach them all things that I have taught you. That's all we need to be able to represent Him well, is to know what Jesus taught, to learn it, and to live it. Not just to know it, and not to impose it on others, but to live it. He's given us His Word. And therefore, we will not move outside of what the Word says in this church. And some people might think, but God has called us for more, or whatever. I don't believe that. 
What I do believe is that if you really look closely in the Word, it gives us a lot of scope. I mean, Jesus went onto the mountain and transfigured. He saw dead people. Okay, that's just a bad joke. But he conferred with Moses and Elijah. That's in the word. But he said to his disciples, do not tell anyone what you saw. There are many instances in the word where it says, I cannot tell you any more things because you will not be able to handle it. So what I get from it is, I said a bit about this last week. The Bible does not stop you from heavy, having highly spiritual experiences. Like, I, I, I can't make a call on, let's say, guys like Ian Clayton or whatever who goes and they, they like spend time with Jesus. There are many of those who spend time with Jesus. All right? That's fine. I'm not going to say we're not going to do that. But I am going to say that that's probably not for this setting, for coming to church and, and being this. You go and you do it in your secret place, in your home, in your closet or whatever. But then the fruit you get from that, you bring here. The love, if that doesn't bring you closer to Jesus and make you more like Him, you are busy with evil stuff. Because it's possible to do all of that and see things and go places and have wonderful, beautiful experiences in your body and it's still not from God. That's why we will be interested in the fruit. What did Jesus say? He says, do you want to know how to, how to recognize whether some of these guys are real and some of these guys are not? You will know them by their fruit. Where did Levitic say? So there's a lot of scope in the Bible. I mean, there's stuff in the Bible that, that are like crazy spiritual. But if it does not produce within you the love of God for others, then one John says that you don't know God. And that's not of Him. So I can almost say, let us stop pointing fingers or thinking, oh, that guy is from that and that guy is from that or that guy is from that and what, what I do is evil and what I do is rach. Let's stop that. Let's bear fruit. Amen. So God has given us the word and then God has given us the spirit, his spirit. Acts 1 8, and ons allemaal ken hierdie vers baie goed, wat ons haak vast by die power gedeelte. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness. What does that mean? You will represent me. The power is not for feeling lekker and feeling powerful, and feeling good. The power is to be His witness. And if it's not to be His witness, if the power does not reveal Him, if the power is not accompanied by His love, then we've got to check why we're doing it. 
For we are compelled by love, says Paul. John 16, 13, uh, 14 says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you. So before that, He says, It is to your advantage that I go away. To whose advantage? The church's advantage. Not just the twelve with Him. Not just the apostles. It is to the church's advantage. Because if He does not go away, He cannot ask the Father to send the Spirit. And then He says, And when He comes, the Spirit of truth, He will guide you into all truth. He will speak, uh, He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Once again, the head is the authority. Jesus decides. He even, Jesus decides on a gathering to gathering basis, on an event to event basis, on a Sunday to Sunday basis, on a community to community basis, on a one-on-one basis. He decides what he wants to do. And he tells the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit tells me, tells you, works it in you, empowers you. Uh, we're still busy with that book of um, Joy Dawson. Uh, if you can get this book, Intimate friendship with God through understanding the fear of the Lord. It's not, the book's name is not the fear of the Lord. The book's name is not fearing God. The book's name is intimate friendship with God through understanding the fear of the Lord. And in this book, she, she paints this picture very, very, very well. And I can't quote it, quote it now. There's one that it's But it comes down to this point. That even if you move in the giftings, we, we can all move in the gifting of, let's say, bringing word of encouragement or prophecy or whatever. But unless it is authorized, coming from the head to the spirit to me, it has no power. It only has power in the kingdom to shift things, to move things, to lose, to bind, when it comes through the authority. I cannot decide on my own that I bind everything that doesn't want to give me that Ferrari. I cannot. Ask anything in my name and you will receive. What does that mean? Ask anything that I would have asked the Father for you. And now it comes back to the point of what is the love of God? What is agape love? It is not giving you what you desire, but giving you what is best for you. So if God is driven by love for us, He will give us what is best for us, not what our little hearts desire. Our fleshly hearts. Okay, there's a yellow on there. So the Spirit comes... 
and we have the Word, and these two work together. The Holy Spirit comes and He even illuminates the Word, giving it power, giving it life, giving it authority. Because Paul does say in 2 Corinthians 3, he does say that if you go and you just want to follow the Word, and that is where people go now to the other side and say, we will, like, oh, we will follow the letter of the Word like this. And that if it stands there, then, it, then we do it. If it doesn't stand there, then we do not do it. But there is nothing in it of the Holy Spirit coming and revealing and empowering and giving grace to be able to do it. The two have to be in combination with one another. Because Paul says the letter on its own kills. It brings condemnation. It brings death. Hmm? It puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. So the Holy Spirit, we want to be a church that is completely based on the Word. We want to be a church that is, that, is, that is safe in the boundaries of what the Word gives. But we need the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to us when to move, how to move, and how to express it at what times. still. So He's given us, the Word He's given us the Spirit He's given us one another to help us be a church that represent God well. And we will, there's actually a whole set session on this, a whole teaching on this, under, under accountability. But He's given us each other to look after one another and to hold one another accountable and to sort, support one another, to build one another up. And then He's given us partnership with other churches, with other parts of the body. And for us specifically within 412. And within this, he's given us uh, even an apostolic leadership, people who we can go to and check stuff with. Are we handling this well? Are we not handling this well? Now, I want us to understand this thing about our partnership with 412. It's very important. It's not a denomination. So they're not sending out every Sunday for me, you will preach on this and this and this. There's no priak ruester that's sent out to us. There is no, that you cannot preach about this and you have to preach about this or anything like that. There is no lording it over in any way. It's not a denomination and it's not a network. I see a network sort of like as a franchise <laughs> where everything has to look the same, everything has to... Be the same. It is a partnership of churches that live for one thing and one thing only. To hold each other accountable. So that all of us in the partnership can one day together stand before the Lord and say, We've done our best to represent you well. And it's people that we have chosen, who we trust, that we believe are perfect. Thank you, Joy. <laughs> Not at all. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a perfect doctrine. There's no such thing as a perfect view. There's no such thing as perfect interpretation. Until we are one day with Christ, we will know in part and see in part. But we trust their hearts that they are seeking the Lord. 
We trust their hearts that their motives are good and pure, that there's no ambition in their hearts. And therefore we decided to join with them in partnership. There's no requirements. We don't pay them a monthly fee. For those who want to, this is collect the We can contribute to the work they do globally, but there's no thing that you have to do this if you want to receive that. It's literally a hand of extension. Say, we want to walk with those who desire to represent God well. Are there other, others like that? Yes, there are others like that. Are there others like that who represent God well? Yes, there are. God hasn't led us to them. All right. Before. Before this church started. Absolutely. This church yes. never existed outside of that Yes. This is not a new Yeah, that's right. We actually decided that to partner with them before we even planted, before we had our first meeting. And we really believe that God... Good. Then I'll end off with this question. A few questions. This is for you individually and for you as your household. Do you recognize the call of God on you and your household as believers, as sons and daughters of God? Do you recognize the call to represent Him to the world? Is that your motivation for doing the Christian life? If I can put it like that. Second question is, do you believe that this is biblically done through the church of God and through the local church in a local setting? Do you believe that the idea of the ecclesia, the gathering of those who are called out according to our first question, is best manifested when you decide to join yourself to a local church through whom you can manifest the desires of God for this place, for this town. Which brings something into my heart right now and I'm, I, I need you guys to help me. I need you guys to come to me with, with ideas How can we go and do that in this town? Come to me. I can Lillian Kani alles identify. Come to me with outreach ideas. Come to me with whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Say this is how we can in some way represent God to this community. Because we cannot just this cannot just be. church and I get that we are a barbecue but I believe that we are lacking in that area that we are not going out enough we've had one or two outreaches um, but yeah come now make do
Just remember your vision, your responsibility. <laughs> I'm not joking. We will, we will, listen to me, we will help you complete this. We will help you manifest it. We will give you the budget. We will give you people. We will rally around you. But if God is calling you to do something, He wants you to go and step into it. It is not coming to Yaku and Lillian and saying, hey guys, let's do an outreach, and then there you go. Then you organize the outreach. We will give you everything you need. That is church. Third question. I asked this question on Wednesday night as well. So some of you already know the answer. What are you as an individual and your household willing to do in this church to help this church become a good representation of God? In other words, how are, how are you deciding to add yourself and to handle yourself in this place and in this community and in this fellowship? For each one, that question should have a different answer. And then there's one thing that I need to end off with. Many of us, probably all of us in a certain degree, have had a misrepresentation of the church and of God dealt to us. And uh, I want to do two things. I want to repent and ask forgiveness on behalf of the global church, on behalf of denominations, on behalf of those who have uh, been self-ambitious. I want to say sorry that the church has not represented God well to you and to the world. I want to ask forgiveness for the hurt that it has caused. And most of all, I want to ask forgiveness for the distance that has caused between you and God. And unless you receive that, and unless you give the forgiveness, you will probably not be able to give yourself completely to the church. Because there will always be mistrust and hurt. So I'm asking you to forgive the church. Spreek het vry. And bless the church. And then I'm asking you, like the cliche, be the change that you want to see. Come. Give yourself and do it better. You decide for yourself that I will come here and be a representation of Jesus. And if I do it and you do it and you do it and you do it and you do it, then naturally the church will be a representation of who Christ is. And if we do it and they do it and they do it and they do it and they do it, 
the global church will become a representation of Christ. But sometimes it starts with one. Andrew spoke about being a model church. Not for the sake of walking on the catwalk, but for the sake of the vision of seeing that church becomes redeemed in the hearts of people. And that once again this world will look to the church and say, that is, now I know Jesus. Now I know God. Let's close our eyes. Father, I want to say to you as well, Lord, please forgive us as we are, sir, every single moment, every single thought, every single motivation that have not represented your heart. Please forgive us as a local church in Swakopmund. Please forgive the churches in Swakopmund where we've been driven by anything other than love for you and love for people. Please forgive your greater church, your global church. I ask you for grace, Father. I ask you for empowerment, Holy Spirit. I ask you to take our hearts and mold it that we will love like you, that we will give ourselves like you, that we will be compelled by the things you are compelled by among one another, but also out there as we go out. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.